Well, good Sunday evening, church. I'm uh, thankful for the opportunity to come again to you on Sunday night right here online. I'm so grateful for uh, what God did in my heart today. Just so many wonderful things, and we'll talk about that in just a moment. Hey, I'm thankful that you're joining us tonight. And um, right now, as people are being notified that we're online, uh, you can watch through our church website, through the application, our Church Center app. You can watch through YouTube and, of course, Facebook as well. So several different platforms to um, be able to see the service. And take just a moment, if you will, and notify others, whether that is sharing the page if you're on Facebook or um, letting other people know that you're on. And in, in, um, uh, maybe someone in your family would want to join on tonight. So however you get the word out, I want to encourage you to do that right now. Gather your family together, and I'm so grateful for our families, thankful for the opportunity to be able to have this time with my family, and so I want you to enjoy this time together. Get your Bible out, get your family together, and let's take some time in God's Word tonight. As you're finding your place and getting settled in, as people are still joining in, take just a moment, maybe write something that God did in your heart today. Put a comment down about how God challenged you or spoke to your heart, something that God did in your life today. And I know that what you put will not only seal something in your own life, but it'll encourage other people uh, about taking note of what God is speaking to them about. I'm so thankful that the Lord is at work. He's certainly at work in my life. He's at work in our church life. And I'm grateful for all that God is doing. Uh, we had a wonderful Sunday today. It was a joy to see people baptized, those who have trusted Christ and followed him in believer's baptism. It is always a blessing to be a part of that, to see people growing and being discipled. Um, it was a joy to see many guests today, and I got to meet several new, new faces and uh, make acquaintances, and it was just a joy to see uh, how God spoke to them and, and those who responded to the invitation to be saved. It's always a, a wonderful thing to, to see the conviction of the Holy Spirit, the drawing of the Holy Spirit, and people responding to that joyfully. And uh, it never gets old. What a day. What a wonderful day. And it's been a, been a blessing for, for, uh, for me and I know for many of you. Uh, there are several on my heart tonight. We, we announced this morning we're praying for uh, Miss Joanne Redland and their family, specifically her brother-in-law and their children uh, with the loss of her sister today. And so let's keep that family in prayer, if you would, please. Also, we're praying for Cecil Maddox and Mary uh, as Cecil went into surgery yesterday. Uh, had a good recovery and um, hopefully, I've not yet gotten the report from today, but hopefully had a wonderful day today. And we're praying for his full and speedy recovery. We're praying that God will meet their needs. And again, if there's something that you can do, um, we, will, uh, we will be letting folks know what we can do and how we can minister and be a help during this time. We have um, wonderful, wonderful uh, things planned for this Tuesday night. So I wanna encourage you to be there at seven o'clock Tuesday night. We'll be meeting in the chapel. We're gonna have a great gathering. There will not be Awanas that night. 
We're going to gather as families. We're going to praise the Lord together. We're going to sing praises to the Lord together. Tonight, I want to try to set the tone for that through God's word. And we want to come with our hearts prepared for a Thanksgiving service. And we want to rejoice in who the Lord is, what the Lord has done, what the Lord has prepared for us, and just take some time to worship him, praise him. It's going to be a wonderful time. Not everybody has to give a testimony, but we're going to make time for that. And so we want to we want to take some testimonies. We want to hear what God's doing in your life. And it's just going to be a sweet time. And it may have some treats. We'll, we'll have a wonderful time Tuesday evening, 7 o'clock there in the chapel. Don't forget about our toy drive. We've got... Uh, the ornaments will be available. Pick those up and we'll be helping some families. We're able to help many families with our Thanksgiving baskets. I really appreciate everyone who gave towards that end. I know that the Lord will use that in a great way. And then again for Christmas, these are great opportunities to give and to minister and to share the gospel. And so that's what we um, desire to do. And so be a part of that. Jump in, find a place to serve, find a place to be a part and I know God will use you in a great way. Find in your Bible tonight, Psalm 92. Psalm 92. Now, just to put you on alert, we're going to read the whole psalm. It's only 15 verses, but we're going to read all of them in just a moment. Psalm 92 is a wonderful, wonderful psalm for me. Uh, and I know it will be for you as well. But this is a psalm of, that was to be sung by families on the Sabbath day. And so... With your family there on this first evening of the week as we prepare for a week of Thanksgiving, we want to get our hearts tuned to this. Now, over the last several Sundays, we have discussed on Sunday night, I've preached on stress, I've preached on fear, I've preached on worry, I've preached on discouragement and depression, uh, we've preached on guilt. Many of these things are psychological, they are uh, weighing on mental health, they affect physical health, and certainly there is a, a component, a strong spiritual health involved as well. And tonight, I really want to say that this subject encapsulates all of that and can change an attitude. Attitudes of fear, attitudes of guilt, attitudes of depression, attitudes of discouragement, attitudes of worry and anxiety. A lot of these things can be helped tremendously through what we're going to talk about tonight. And I'm going to title this, The Attitude for Life. The Attitude for Life. And I want you to see it. This is something that God gave on the Sabbath day for his people to meditate on, to sing about, and to, and to appropriate in their own lives. Remember, man was not made for the Sabbath. Sabbath was made for the man. And it was a day of rest. It was a day when labor ceased, as God ceased from his work of creation. And he rested on that seventh day. So man was to rest from his labor. Six days shalt thou work. And on the seventh day, we rest. And the seventh day was a gift to man, for his recovery, for his help. We don't take as much time as we should to rest in our society. Now, Jesus is our Sabbath. He is our resting place. He said, come unto me, all you that labor and are heavy laden, and I will give you rest. He does give rest to his people. 
But beyond that, there is an attitude that was to be cultivated on that day of rest. It was a day to regather, to find strength for life. That's what Sabbath was for. We worked all week. We regain our strength. We regain our focus. We refresh. And then we begin our work again on that week of new beginnings, that eighth day. We begin to go back to our labors with a fresh body, a fresh soul, and a fresh spirit. Now, this is the attitude for life that will help you to confront the difficulties of life. Let's look at it. We're going to read all 15 verses of this psalm, and then we're going to bring a few points of application that I think are going to be very helpful to all of us. Psalm 92, a song for the Sabbath day. It is a good thing to give thanks unto the Lord, to sing praises unto thy name, O Most High, to show, forth loving thy, to show forth thy loving kindness in the morning and thy faithfulness every night. Upon an instrument of 10 strings and upon the psaltery, upon the harp with a solemn sound, for thou, Lord, has made me glad through thy work. I will triumph in the works of of thy hands. O oh Lord, how great are thy works, and thy thoughts are very deep. A brutish man knoweth not, neither doth a fool understand this. When the wicked spring as the grass, when all the workers of iniquity do flourish, it is that they shall be destroyed forever. But thou, Lord, art most high forevermore. For lo, thine enemies, O Lord, for lo, thine enemies shall perish. All the workers of iniquity shall be scattered. But my horn shall thou exalt like the horn of a unicorn. I shall be anointed with fresh oil. Mine eyes also shall see my desire on mine enemies, and mine ears shall hear my desire of the wicked that rise up against me. The righteous shall flourish like a palm tree. He shall grow like a cedar in Lebanon. Those that be planted in the house of the Lord shall flourish in the courts of our God. They shall uh, still bring forth fruit in old age. They shall be fat and flourishing to show that the Lord is upright. He is my rock and there is no unrighteousness in him. And all God's people said, amen and amen. This is a psalm of all the works of God. And what is the attitude for life? Sabbath was a day of refreshing. And this was a song to remind them where their strength came from. And I want you to see it tonight. The attitude for life is the gratitude attitude. Let's pray. Father, bless these next few moments as we declare your word and we open up this book. I pray that as we read it, it will read us. As we declare it, that it will be heard and received with welcomeness, that we would lay out a welcome mat for your word. And I pray that you'll use it in our lives tonight. In Jesus' name, amen.
A thanksgiving, it's the attitude for life. It is a good thing to give thanks unto the Lord. Now, it is a good thing to give thanks to the Lord. And why is it a good thing? Why is it a thing associated with righteousness and with goodness and with all that is good? Remember, the Lord is good. God is good. And thanks to the Lord is good. Why is that? Because a departure from gratitude is the first step to great decline. Remember in Romans 1 that the wrath of God was revealed from heaven against all unrighteousness and against those who hold the truth in unrighteousness. For when they knew God, they glorified him not as God, neither were thankful. Uh, in 2 Timothy chapter 3, when the perilous times come in the last days, men shall be lovers of their own selves. You'll read that list and men are unthankful. Uh, ingratitude is the first step to moral decline. Therefore, it is a good thing to give thanks unto the Lord and to sing praises unto thy name, O Most High. Now, in this one verse, as we open the verse, the psalmist is speaking to two people. He first is making a declaration to all the people who would be singing this psalm and saying to them, listen, this is a good thing to give thanks to the Lord. Then he says to the Lord, and to sing praises unto thy name, O Most High. And this is where men and God meet together is at that junction of gratitude. <laughs> do, you wanna, do you wanna know God? Do you, wanna, do you wanna know the Lord in an intimate way? Well, God inhabits the praises of his saints. We enter into his courts with praise, into his presence with singing. We come before him with thanksgiving. There is something about the presence of God in the midst of praise, men and God meeting together in praise. And this is a wonderful thing. I want you to see the overall theme of this psalm is that it is good to praise the Lord. It is good to sing praises to God. And it is good to thank him for his work. And here's some wonderful things. This is a this is a wonderful thing because the theme of this psalm is the work of God and the work of God is his redeeming. When the psalmist is referring to thy loving kindness in the morning and thy faithfulness every night, he's referring to God's work of redemption. He is referring to that great and powerful work that God does to redeem his people. And what he's speaking about, the way that was uh, played out in Israel in the days that the psalmist is writing this was found for us in, uh, in Exodus chapter 29, when he gives instruction about the continual burnt offering, the morning oblation and the evening oblation, the morning offering, the evening offering. And this is where God meets with his people, where he says uh, in verse 38 of Exodus 29, now this is that which thou shalt offer upon the altar, two lambs, of the first year, day by day, continually. This was an everyday thing. Every day, there was the morning and evening offering. The one lamb shalt thou offer in the morning, and the other lamb 
shalt thou offer at evening. And when and with the one lamb, a tenth deal of flour, with a fourth part of an hen of beaten oil, and the fourth part of an hen of wine for a drink offering, and the other lamb, the evening lamb, thou shalt offer at evening. Thou shalt do thereto according to the meat offering of the morning and according to the drink offering thereof for a sweet savor, um, an offering made by fire unto the Lord. This shall be a continual burnt offering throughout your generations at the door of the tabernacle of the congregation before the Lord, where I will meet you and speak unto you. Uh, Every day at the tabernacle, as the sun came up in the morning, there was the morning offering. In the evening, there was the evening oblation, the evening offering. These two burnt offerings at the end and beginning of every day. And what did these speak of? These spoke of God's redemption plan, the blood being shed, God's loving kindness for them in the morning, God's faithfulness every night, that God kept his covenant with his people through the blood of the sacrifice. Well, I wanna tell you, we have a greater sacrifice than that. We have a lamb who took our place at Calvary and died for us and shed his precious blood to buy our redemption. And I wanna tell you, he did not have to die once a day uh, or twice a day, every day. He died once and for all, the Bible says. In Hebrews chapter two and verse 14, the Bible says that we were all subject unto the fear of death, but Jesus became us and he died for us to take away the fear of death and to give us eternal life and to destroy the one who had the power of death. Now listen, this is the finished, atoning, redemptive work of Jesus Christ. We were not redeemed with silver and gold from our vain conversations received by tradition from our fathers. Peter writes in 1 Peter chapter one. But what were we redeemed with? What with the precious blood of Christ as of a lamb without blemish and without spot who verily was foreordained before the foundation of the world, but was manifest in these last times for you, who by him do believe in God, that raised him up from the dead and gave him glory, that your faith and hope might be in God. This is what the psalmist was saying on Sabbath day. They sat down and they thought back through the week and they thought, Lord, every morning and every evening, we saw your loving kindness and we saw your faithfulness. Uh, sin requires death and we have sinned and yet you've, you've received a substitute, a substitute on our behalf and by the shedding of blood, there's remission of sins. And God, you're faithful to your covenant. We can, we can start every day knowing that we're walking in your loving kindness. We can f- finish every day and go to, to sleep resting in your faithfulness. It is a good thing to give thanks unto the Lord. And so can I tell you, Christian, Uh, This psalm is a psalm that tells the believer that we need not to fear death. We need not to fear growing old. We can face life every day at every stage with joy and gratitude. Now, let me give you some things very quickly. Number one, it is good to give thanks to God for his day-to-day faithfulness. All right, did you get that? The day-to-day faithfulness. Notice what he says. Verse two, thy loving kindness in the morning, thy faithfulness every night. 
And he even employs the instruments to come along and sing and to play with him heartily. The, the sound of 10 strings on the psaltery, the harp with a solemn sound. That's a harmonious or a melodic sound. It's a beautiful sound. And he said, for thou, Lord, hast made me glad through thy work. Remember, he's speaking about the sacrifices. I will triumph in the works of thy hands. He said, I will triumph today because of the works of your hands. Because, God, of your faithfulness and your sacrifice and your redemption, I'm going to be triumphant. Oh, Lord, how great are thy works and thy thoughts very deep. God worked out a plan of redemption. And God played it out before his people every morning, every evening to show his grace, his loving kindness, and his wonderful, wonderful work of salvation. But not only that, we don't just praise him for God's plan for today, but we can praise him for his plan for eternity. Notice verse number, verse number six. A brutish man knoweth not. A really and truly, uh, that word right there, brutish man, is a senseless man. He's a brute. He's animalistic. He's soulish. He's just a man who lives by the instincts. He has no thought of God. He's just a natural man. He's a brute beast. The brutish man, the senseless man, doesn't know. Neither doth a fool understand this. Now, who's the fool? The fool is the one who said in his heart, there is no God. So men who are oblivious of God, they're only focused on the naturalistic life. Those men do not understand this, that when the wicked spring up, as grass. When all the workers of iniquity do flourish, it is that they shall be destroyed forever. Listen, as quickly as they spring up, it is rest assured that they will one day be destroyed. Now, I'm not saying that we ought to joy in this, but we can be grateful and we can sing praise to God that God will triumph over his enemies, that God will bring vengeance one day. Vengeance is mine. I will repay, saith the Lord. Listen, I don't have to be angry with the world. I can weep for them. I can preach to them. I can appeal for them to be saved because I know that they spring up like grass, but they shall be cut down in the heat of his wrath one day. That God has an eternal plan. Those who oppose God today will one day be judged. Those who look like they are sinning with a high hand and a proud look and they're getting by with, with treason and malfeasance and wickedness and it looks as though they're spitting right in the very face of God. Friend, listen to me. That is but for a moment. And in this day, the wicked flourish, but they flourish like grass. Grass springs up and grass withers and all flesh is like grass. And he says, lo, in verse number Verse number nine, for lo, thine enemies, O Lord, for lo, thine enemies shall perish. All the workers of iniquity shall be scattered. Now, we, I take no joy in knowing that there are men and women who hate God, who defy God, who will one day face eternity in hell forever. I take no pleasure in that, but I will tell you this, I can glory and I can be thankful that God is greater than the enemy, that God is greater than those who oppose him, that I look in this world and it seems like the enemies are all about us. They compass it about on every side and that they have such vitriol and hatred towards God. And yet God is greater than that. Verse number eight says that thou art most high forevermore. Listen to me, God is so high and above all of this that down here from our perspective, it looks like these men that are great men Powerful men, mighty men, men in places of 
of influence and authority who hate God and are vocal about it and they're becoming more vocal about it. They defy him at every step. It seems as though there's nothing we can do about that. Well, friend, listen to me. There is an eternal plan and I can be grateful and I can give thanks to the Lord with an attitude of gratitude that in God's eternal plan, he will triumph over his enemies, that God will be victorious and that God will triumph. I can praise God for his eternal plan. Think about this. First John chapter, first John chapter two and verse 17, the world passeth away and all that is in the world, but he that doeth the will of God abideth forever. Listen, friend, all these things that are in this world are here for today and gone tomorrow. There was a day when Hitler was the most powerful force on earth and the whole world trembled at him and his, his, uh, his powerful Nazi machine was rolling out across Germany and across uh, those uh, Baltic states and he was on the march. But let me tell you something, friend, though the world trembled before him, he one day, as quickly as he came, he quickly went away. And the Lord's truth stands forever. We can go back to men like Nero. Nero was this powerful, powerful emperor of Rome. Think about Nero, how powerful that man was. And here Paul was in his prison, chained down there in the dungeon. And Nero was this mighty, powerful, uh, uh, wealthy man enjoying all of the luxuries of life. But you know what, what happened to him? What happened to him is the same thing that happened to Paul. They both faced death. And in death, Nero was cut off and Nero faced God and his judgment. It is appointed a man once to die and after that, the judgment. Paul also faced God and he heard, well done, thou faithful servant. What was the difference? Paul had met God in life. Nero had rejected God in life and that wicked man sprang up, but that wicked man withered down. But where was Paul? Paul uh, absent from the body, present with the Lord. He is flourishing today in the courts of God. Listen to me, friend. Listen, we can be grateful, not only for God's loving kindness and faithfulness day by day, but we can be grateful for God's eternal plan. I'm grateful today that I can be steadfast, always abounding in the work of the Lord because that work is forever and ever, and I'm a part of that. But now watch this. I can also be grateful. I can also be grateful, not just for the day by day, God's faithfulness today, God's eternal plan, but listen, I can face God in my uncertain future. Now listen, I know ultimately that I'm going to heaven, but I don't know what's gonna happen in the next 15 minutes. I don't know what's gonna happen in the next 15 years. I, I know one thing, if the Lord tarries is coming and I continue day by day in God's faithfulness, Day by day is gonna lead me one day to old, old age. If I live long enough, I'm gonna be an old man. And I'm not gonna have the strength that I may have today. I'm not gonna have the abilities that I'm gonna have, that I have today. I may not have the mental faculties that I have today. I may not be able to be as, uh, as, as useful then as I am now, or so it may seem. But can I tell you, you can be grateful as you face old age. You know, in the world today, people are afraid of growing old. And they're doing everything they can to forget that they're growing old. And men 
um, are, are trying to hold on to everything they can in life. But I want to tell you what God promises his people as they grow old. Look at verse 10. But my horn, but my horn. Now that, that speaks, that horn speaks of two things really. Number one, it, it speaks of the strength of a person. Just like a, a rhinoceros would be a unicorn or an animal that has one horn is a unicorn. And he says, just like that one horn, that's the strength of that animal. That's where their power is. And that horn speaks of strength. That's why God had a horn that he anointed uh, the kings and he anointed the priests with that horn. Why? Because it spoke of strength. It spoke of power. And God was giving them that anointing. So it speaks of two things. It speaks of strength, but it speaks also of anointing. And who is our horn? But the Lord Jesus. He's our strength and he is our anointer. And so he says, my horn shalt thou exalt like the horn of the unicorn. I shall be anointed with fresh oil. Now watch this carefully. Mine eyes also shall see. He's talking about his future. My eyes also shall see my desire on my enemies and my ears shall hear the desire of the wicked that rise up against me. The righteous shall flourish like the palm tree. He shall grow like a cedar in Lebanon. Now watch this very carefully. Here's the contrast. The wicked spring up, but they're like grass. They spring up, they may flower, but they fade. Now the righteous continue to grow like a palm tree, like the cedars of Lebanon. They just grow, 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 grow. The wicked men come to power and they diminish in power. They ebb and flow of the power of the wicked, but not God's righteous. God's righteous grow in strength and in power. Now look at this. And I want you to see it. We're almost done. Look at verse number 13. Those that be planted in the house of the Lord shall flourish in the courts of our God. They shall still bring forth fruit in old age. They shall be fat and flourishing. <laughs> what is that fat and flourishing? Well, plump. Uh, they're going to be full of goodness and they're going to be flourishing they are going to be uh, green and beautiful and lush to show that the Lord is upright. Now, you know what God's gonna do in our old age? God takes righteous people, people who have had an attitude of gratitude and as they've grown through the years, they age gracefully, not necessarily without aches and pains and sorrow and hurts, but in the midst of all of that, they have a, a, an attitude of gratitude, and they've clung to the Lord. And let me tell you some things that God gives to Christians in their old age. Those who've lived for Christ, those who have flourished in his courts, those who have been planted in his house, those who are in his presence day by day, let me show you, those who have cultivated that attitude of gratitude, let me tell you what God gives to them. Number one, God gives them fresh anointing. Verse number 10, he said, thou anoint me with fresh oil. Oil in the Old Testament speaks of the Holy Spirit. And God anoints his people with a freshness. There's a fresh anointing on us as we get older. Day by day by day, God gives us a fresh anointing. He gives us that power of the Holy Spirit, that anointing of the Holy Spirit. And what is anointing? Anointing is a special touch for a specific task. Whatever God has called you to do, God will give you the touch. He'll give you the power and the grace and the ability by which to do it. There's a freshness with that. I've been around some dear older saints and I've seen a freshness of God on their life. 
Now, you can't really explain it. I don't even know how to articulate it as I prepared for this. I thought, how do you say that other than just get around some older Christians who've been planted in the presence of God, who have a gratitude attitude, and watch their life and sense that freshness of life. Oh, what a blessing. What a blessing. Not only are they fresh, but notice this in verses 12 and 13, they flourish. They flourish. He says in verse 12, the righteous shall flourish. In the end of verse 13, they shall flourish in the courts of our God. And God causes us to flourish in our, in our old age. It seems as though we draw into a presence with God in a way that yields um, a wonderful, wonderful growth. I've seen dear people grow as they've aged. I've seen them grow in grace, grow in in gentleness, grow in mercy, grow in forgiveness, grow in their gratitude. And that's what they do. They flourish. God's people, they have a fresh anointing. They're flourishing people. And notice verse number 14, he says, again, they shall bring forth fruit in old age. What does God do? He makes us fruitful. Hey, listen to me. If you're getting older and you think, well, I don't have much that I can offer. Oh, you are mistaking, mistaking, mistaking. Listen, you have the opportunity to be more fruitful now than you were before. You have the ability to bring forth fruit. What kind of fruit? Well, how about the fruits of the Spirit? Love, joy, peace, long-suffering, gentleness, goodness, meekness, faith, temperance. Can I tell you that while the world uh, produces people that get more bitter as they age, God's people ought to be sweeter as they age. They ought to have more love and more joy. Uh, There's a wonderful book about nearing home. Uh, I I thought it was a wonderful book, but it, it, it is written by Billy Graham. And he said this, he said, all my life I was taught how to die. I was prepared to die, but nobody ever taught me how to grow old. And you know, as we grow older, we face limitations physically. We begin to face limitations mentally. Uh, physically, our bodies cannot do what they used to do. We, we face, we face those, those aches and pains, and then we face some really heavy hardships. Perhaps the loss of a spouse. Perhaps the, the loss of children. Uh, perhaps we, we didn't have the financial um, um, stability that we thought and maybe we had some other things that came up at the end of our life and we think we despair what am i going to do what will i do listen all of these things are, are are painful things they're weighty things but you know the world as they grow older unsafe people become harder oftentimes more fretful more anxious more fearful more uh, disenfranchised they feel like the world has passed them by but not god's people god's people as they age have so much to offer, they can bear great fruit for the Lord. They can be testimonies to God's goodness through their trials, through their tribulations, through their heartaches, through their suffering. As they go through great loss, there's great grace, and that brings great fruit. What a testimony it is to see older people who are going through heaviness and their bodies are weaker, perhaps their minds are weaker, and they're in a position where it seems as though they should be overwhelmed with their trouble, and they're not. And yet they stand and they move forward with joy and 
gratitude and gratefulness. What happens? It brings great fruit. And notice this, look at verse 15, what God's older people do. To show, to declare that the Lord is upright. He is my rock and there's no unrighteousness in him. You know what God gives his older people? Faithfulness. <laughs> Just hang in there. He is a rock. He is the foundation. You can be steadfast, unmovable, always abounding in the work of the Lord. One of the great hallmarks of God's old saints is faithfulness. It's a joy to see faithful people who've just been faithful to the Lord through thick, through thin, through up, through down, through rich, through poor, through sickness, through health, through every advent of life. They've just stayed faithful. Uh, Listen, this is what is cultivated by the attitude of gratitude. When we say, when, when the psalmist said, it is a good thing to give thanks unto the Lord. Why? Well, day by day, he's faithful. Uh, he's got an eternal plan. But as you get older, these Sabbath days were to rest your body. But can I tell you, the body, no matter how much you rest it, no matter how much you exercise it, it's gonna get old and wear out. And it, it, we ought to take good care of it. But can I tell you, the day's gonna come that the body, the body is a tent. It's a temporary dwelling. But in that, in those days, as we go forward, our true rest is in the attitude. Why is it good to give thanks to the Lord? Because I'm gonna get old. And if I learn to live an attitude of gratitude through life, when I'm old, it'll give me a fresh anointing. It brings flourishing. It brings fruitfulness. It brings faithfulness out. What a joy. What a joy. Instead of grumbling and complaining, these older people, these older saints are praising and witnessing. You know, one of the most remarkable scenes in all of the Bible is during the birth of Christ, the older people, Zechariah and Elizabeth, uh, Simeon and Anna, older people who were full of faithfulness and joy to see God move. And even in their burdens, I mean, listen, Zacharias and Elizabeth couldn't have children in their old barren age. They were still praising God and expecting great things from God. They weren't complaining and grumbling. They were praising and witnessing. And um, uh, Simeon and Anna, and think about Anna had been a widow for so long and serving faithfully. And what happened there? Even in her long years of widowhood, she was praising God and serving God. What a joy. D.L. Moody said this, and I'll close with this, but D.L. Moody said this, it does not pay to get sour as you get old. I pity a man who lives in the past. He lives on stale manna and he gets stunted. Hmm. He lives on stale manna and he gets stunted. Oh, don't get sour. Let's get sweeter. Let's cultivate an attitude of gratitude. Hey, just take some time, even tonight. Gather around with your family and just thank the Lord. Don't let this week pass by without all of us taking time to really, truly show a grateful heart for the things that God has done, for who he is, for his redeeming redeeming work, his day-to-day faithfulness, his eternal plan, and that even with an uncertain future, I can be flourishing and fruitful and grow (laughs) all in the work of the Lord. 
I hope that's a blessing to you tonight. Father, I thank you for these moments together. I pray that you would use your word to convict us right where we are tonight, that we would be people who would have thanksgiving on our lips, joy in our heart, gratitude in our life, and that, Lord, we would be flourishing and faithful, fruitful, and fresh anointed. Lord, I pray you'll use it. It is a good thing to give thanks unto the Lord and to sing praises to thy name, O Most High. We love you tonight. Receive our praise. In Jesus' name we pray, amen. Well, church, God bless you. I hope I'll see you uh, Tuesday night. Make plans to be there. Tuesday evening, seven o'clock. It's gonna be a wonderful time of gratitude and thanksgiving. And let's, let's let this week help us to have a Sabbath rest, so to speak, of all from all the things that are in this world and to find joy in the Lord. God bless you, church.